Thank you so much for listening to the Echoes of the Holograph audio narration. I will be your narrator, Eldar Basic, and this is Chapter 5, Discovery. Albert and Eli were two brothers living in Dallas. They landed the weirdest jobs ever. This one would give them work cleaning up crime scenes with the city police department. Albert was always apprehensive about this type of work, but Eli would always shepherd him around. They used to talk about working together somewhere in the city on their nightly fast food runs back home. This job seemed like the right opportunity. They always seemed good at first. Eli's life had been in sort of a chaotic tumble this summer. He needed a job. Albert preferred to be cozy, spending his time sleeping or reading comic books. They had grown up under the scrutiny of their parents and missed school deadlines, laziness, and a lack of poise from the both of them. Albert was six years younger than Eli, but stalwart and intelligent. Eli was goofy and aloof. He felt his tall, lean frame served him well when reeling in large caribou and trout at the town's local lake on weekends off. Eli stood taller than his younger brother, but had a small gut and was wrought with worry most times, while Albert always seemed to know what to do in any given situation. They knew how to support one another and lived in a modest apartment in the lower part of town. Eli woke up and bumped the top of his alarm clock with his fist. He tossed his messy brown hair in bed and scratched his beard. His eyes felt heavy. He tumbled out of bed and adjusted his underwear. He stumbled into the living room, catching sight of the mess of dishes on the table. Albert was absent. Eli shrugged. He figured he had gone to get the breakfast from the local diner and stayed this way for about a year. Albert always got scrambled eggs and hash browns, while Eli loved biscuits and gravy. The brown hue of the apartment would glow and blind the boys as they entered each night after a long day's work. Old game systems lined their out-of-date entertainment center. A Blu-ray player sat on the floor. Posters of the Atomic American were hung in the living room. His stern expression across the arms filled the walls. The words, For an Atomic Tomorrow, covered the poster. Food, cake, pants, and a couple of stray cigarettes littered the torn couch. Eli plopped on the worn leather sofa and played on his phone. He needed a haircut. He thought of work that evening, but only for a little while. Albert burst in the door carrying two plastic bags with Luckies on the front in blocky blue font. Eli looked at him and smiled. He remembered that their father loved Lucky's Diner and he made mention of that. Albert grimaced. Ralph from the district called. Wants you to come in early. You gonna do it? Eli asked. Um, sure, I guess. What time did he say? Six. I can tell him whatever. I know that's kind of been a long night for you. I'm not coming in until about nine? Kind of depends. I'm right at the end of Cyber Horizon 2, so I may head out and defeat that uh, boss and then head out after. Eli sighed. Albert closed the door, and Eli's eyes relaxed. He loved being alone. He walked over to his record player and played an old Scorpions record while he cleaned the apartment. His feet made small padding noises as he shoveled around the cramped place, picking up jeans and smoking a broken cigarette he found. As he organized the fridge, pictures of their mother and father floated above his head. He glanced at them, but only for a minute. Eli liked to smoke his cigarettes on the patio. He looked at the same tree when he did. The summer air was hot and dry, which made smoking almost unbearable. Almost, but not enough of a reason to quit thought of his finances and what he ate that morning. He texted Albert and told him to pick up his copy of the popular computer game Rattle Cage from a friend. He messaged this girl he was romantically texting and invited her to drinks with some of his friends later that week. 
not thinking much of it. She was beautiful, and he saw promise. His mind lay bare, and his heart was bruised from so many false entries, wounds that would float in his subconscious for months to come. He gazed through the sky and thought of the moon on the outer wilds of the earth, and wondered why he couldn't be better. Time had passed, and Albert returned. The boys made idle chit-chat as Albert put his uniform on. The tall, slender boy tried his very best to eliminate a prominent ketchup stain right on the red breast of the blue shirt. Eli's work uniform was always cleaner than Albert's. Albert grabbed his car keys and closed the door to the apartment behind him. Eli was alone again. Albert made mention that he forgot to do their laundry that morning and asked if Eli could. He obliged. But when the text at 8 came from Albert demanding he get down to their job location, laundry was the last thing on his mind. Eli made immediate note of the address his brother sent him, and both brothers confirmed that it was indeed the apartment of a mutual friend. The mutual friend was a male nurse at the city hospital. His name was Jeremy, and he had a knack for getting into trouble, usually with his boyfriends. Domestic stuff. Jeremy lived with another man that Eli and Albert had never met before. He was always holed up in his bedroom when the brothers came to visit. The boys continued their texts, the city lights and streets separating them from the time being. Eli clocked in through his mobile work application when he arrived to the cleanup job. He flicked his cigarette out of the car window. The city and the drive was ten minutes too long. He walked up the three flights of stairs to Jeremy's dingy, undecorated apartment, grunting the whole time. I really need to go to the gym more, he said. The floors were wood and the walls were clean, but the furniture reeked of hand-me-downs. His brother was already inside, taking the usual photos of the scene for the precinct's records. The window was smashed in and the television was cracked in half. He checked his phone. He looked like uh, the city police officers assigned to the case checked their reports in, filed it away as a misdemeanor. Booked him anyway. The only thing left for the case was Eli and Albert to cover the couch with plastic, throw out the busted television and photograph the rest of the apartment for records and processing. Albert shuffled around the apartment. They were both fairly familiar with it now, but the room felt strange. The older brother's eyes locked in the copy of his video game sitting by the dusty game console. Is it weird if I take my game back right now? Eli asked. Don't mess with the seeing guy. Albert opened the fridge. Old cookies, half of a gallon of skim milk, and not much else. Eli snapped a few photos of the wall where it looked like some damage was done. Eli and Albert didn't know Jeremy's boyfriend too well, but the brothers would come over every now and then to buy weed and play video games. They didn't even have Jeremy on social media. It was a handshake friendship. The clock ticked nine, and the brothers gave the living room one more run-through. Eli made note of Jeremy's taste in video games. The collection was predictable. Sports games. Biofront. Ugh. Dumb shooters. Albert eyed a new laptop in the corner of the desk. It was embarrassing how he felt a tinge of jealousy. Eli and Albert's breathing grew heavier with work. They carried the cracked 50-inch television down the stairs to the curb. A few neighbors watched them curiously. Two boys sweating in their uniforms. They'd been mistaken as the FBI in the past, but their hourly wage combated that notion. They walked back to the apartment to finish their work. The boys electronically claimed their hours through their phones and uploaded the pictures of the apartment to their work server. It was that time of night to check and see where they were going next when the noise came from the bedroom. Crack! The startling whip that emanated from the bedroom of the apartment made Albert jump. Eli's neck nearly snapped from turning to 180 degrees. The air in the apartment stood still as neither boy dare move. They met eyes and felt their palms begin to sweat. Turns out they hadn't been alone this entire time. 
The boys inched towards the bedroom door that lay at the end of the short hallway. The light of the hall was gold and brown. The light from the neon blue and red sign from across the street filled the room. Eli's hand met the door with a tremble. Albert's hand rested firmly on Eli's back, already wet with fear. Eli called out behind the door and received no reply. Hello? Albert whispered to Eli about protocol. The door was already locked. Somebody couldn't be in trouble in there. Hey, did, did you put the request in? Eli stammered. No, phone's dead. Okay, hold on, let me sh- Eli's phone was dead. He could have sworn it was fully charged before he left the house. The two lumbering brothers were on their own in this weird hallway, arguing about property damage. The golden handle of the door seemingly called out to Eli, and he reached for it. It was locked. The two brothers looked at one another and knew what needed to be done. With a shove and a crack, the door slammed open, leaving a bruise on Eli's shoulder. Eli stumbled into the room from the force of his entry. Albert followed closely behind and yelped. Eli also unconsciously backed up from the sight. In the center of the room, there was a large silver and tungsten-colored medical device. Water bottles were strung about the floor, and foreign edgings covered the walls. On the bed lay a frail, female-like creature, and as their presence registered, the brother's eyes widened. The maroon tubing and wires of the medical bed strung themselves into the veins of the creature. Eli had made the observation that they were as large as a grown woman in their twenties. Their limbs were colored light red and their torso yellow. Their head was fish-like, with dark, bulging eyes. In a way, their feminine appearance could have been designated as beautiful. Their lips were full, etched from the blueprints of a human woman. Long red hair sprouted from its head, running to its stomach. They stared at them without a flinch, and the boys felt the sudden shock coming in contact with the being that wasn't from this world. The creature bellowed at the boys, sounding shrill and impish. What? It just spoke! Albert screamed. Oh my god, what is it? El- Eli asked. Eli and Albert stood shoulder to shoulder as the being waited for a reply. A few seconds passed, and the being cocked its head. I think it realized something. There. Now you can understand me. Sorry for the loud noise earlier. I needed something. Excuse my accent. Eli and Albert jumped. An extraterrestrial just spoke English to them. They looked at each other, mouths completely agape. I won't hurt you. I obviously can't. Where are my caretakers? Every time the alien said something with the pattern of the letter A or a word with the letter A, there was a warble in the room that kind of came from the alien. Eli and Albert started to put the pieces together. Jeremy and his boyfriend were caring for and housing an alien. Not long after the atomic Americans showered the Earth with particles from an energy called the holograph, news reports on social media of aliens and beings from other worlds filled their phones, some with pictures, but the being in the room connected to the hospital bed didn't look like any of those. No, the being in the room connected to a great hospital bed didn't look like any of these. The brothers relaxed and approached the alien. My actual name is... But you can call me Asutali for short. This is inconsequential as names change so much throughout time it won't matter, Asutali declared. Eli changed and approached the alien slowly. He put out a cautious hand. So, Tali for short, he asked. This is fine, Tali said. Can we ask where you're from? Albert quivered from the back of the room. I can tell you where I'm not from. This planet. 
this earth, as you call it. The alien grew frustrated and widened her mouth. A small pop was heard. There, Tolly said. I apologize for the noise with the letter A earlier. My brain wasn't acclimated to either of yours yet. Think of it like a muscle learning something new. Now I can speak to you both directly without interference. The boys closed the door behind them. They peered at the wounds the aliens had accumulated and wondered where they had come from. Albert mentioned that Tolly's previous caretakers would be in jail for a few days. Says it was on her own for the time being. They wondered how they managed to keep an alien hidden all this time, and both gave each other a look when they realized how close they had come to being discovered. Police had been in the house just earlier that day. It was a miracle that the bedroom door wasn't open. They thought of the right words to say. Albert left the bedroom to grab some chairs from the dining room, and Eli paced back and forth nervously. I swear to God, this is just from Light Effect 2. Except in that one, it was a fetch quest. Eli stuttered. Albert walked back into the room. He caught Eli's quip as he entered and sarcastically nodded and raised an eyebrow at the comparison. Albert's eyes were locked on Tolly, who was suddenly breathing pretty hard now. Their skin looked gray, and they started to speak. You boys seem kind, if not a little lost, Tolly began. I crashed here. When the Atomic One showed the world and the universe his light, he spoke to a grand advisor and granted us safe passage. How could he have known that would have been all but safe. Humanity wasn't ready for us, even if he was. It was a critical error on his part. The boys leaned in. I landed on the patio of this apartment. My species contracts itself into a small ball during intergalactic travel, but I wasn't prepared for this world's atmosphere. My planet's environment suits my body, but here it's like I'm constantly being choked. It's also been making me very ill. I can no longer move. Jeremy and his companion had been taking care of me to the best of their abilities. He even brought me this hospital bell, so I could be comfortable. She pointed at her gaping chest wound. These are from your planet's oxygen, she said irritatingly. Eli and Albert eyed each other, confused and curious. Albert then spoke. Okay, shit, that's, uh, that's a lot to take in. Let me ask you something. Do you know why they fought earlier? Our job is to clean up crime scenes and it looks pretty messy out there. Tolly hesitated and then spoke in a low, sad voice. It seems my presence in this space battered their relationship. Jeremy wanted to keep me while the other man thought it would be best to turn me in for proper examination and medical care. I tried to stay neutral, assuming that turning me in would be painful and only result in my death on the examination table. They fought a lot. And earlier I heard loud noises, followed by men talking loudly. I hope they're okay. The brothers shared a concerned glance. I've seen it, you know, from my homeworld, Tolly said, its eyes gleaming. The light of the holograph filled the universe. Even my homeworld's sky was red and blue. I heard that envoys from the inhabited world would meet the atomic man on the moon for counsel. I dreamt of the conversations that could have been had there. I've seen aliens online, so this isn't really super crazy for me or people my age, but the idea of actually meeting one... It's like meeting a celebrity, Eli babbled. Look, me and my brother, I think we're on the same page. Opportunities like this are... sparse. I think, I think we want to help you. Tell us what to do. Eli stared at Tolly, and they reached for his hand. 
He grabbed their long serpentine hand and felt the weight of it. It was heavier than he expected, and warm. It felt scaly and hard, like grabbing a crocodile's snout. Tolly stared at Eli and spoke. I will pass away overnight. My lifeline is finally at its end. I have lived a very, very long time. Millennia. I have fallen in love back home, and even emigrated to a new world. My time here wasn't perfect, but I met two people who cared for me to the best of their ability. We even played cards and watched something called sitcoms together. I didn't fully understand their humor, but they tried, and lessons were learned. Tolly's head fell forward and her eyes started to close. She sighed. Albert reached behind Tolly's head without a moment's hesitation and propped her pillow up. Tolly let out a groan and recessed their head into the soft pillow. Clutching their hand, Eli smiled at them. The brothers decided to call a night and stay at the apartment. Tolly graced them with words of their home plan and sparked their imaginations. They grew quiet. Albert remained stoic. Eli sank back in his chair in awe. Tolly told the boys that the universe was finite and that there were wonderful worlds out there waiting to be explored. Their skin began to crack at around 11 that night, and they told the boys to leave them and say their goodbyes. In acknowledgement, Albert turned to his side and grabbed the remote to the small TV in the room. He flipped through the channels until he found a sitcom Tolly loved to watch with her now incarcerated human caretakers. The boys stood up from their chairs and left the room silently. Eli smoked on the patio and Albert sat in the dining room on a chair and pondered the logistics of the situation. Eli looked at the blue and red neon sign across the street and lost himself in it. He gazed at the moon, thinking of what the conversation between the Atomic American and his alien comrades must have sounded like on the moon. He thought about his upcoming date and if he would tell her the story. He slid the door of the patio closed as he entered the apartment and stared at Albert. They sat and talked for another hour. They talked about Tally, work, mom and dad, and if things could ever be normal after this. They decided sleep was the best decision for now. As Eli and Albert sank into the couch in the living room, the light of the neon sign across the street dimmed. Closing time. When they woke up a few hours later, they peered into the bedroom where Tally was. What remained was an empty hospital bed, and all that could be heard was the canned applause from the television in the corner of the room. They were gone. Albert put his hand on his brother's shoulder. Both boys felt the weight of last night's events. They had met an alien and suddenly knew more about the holograph's energy and the atomic American. The brothers made their way down the street to Lucky's Diner. The drive was silent and the morning blue light consumed them as they passed office buildings and gas stations. They felt loose, nervous. They had trouble ordering, which had never happened, and the old man who waited on them that morning had to come back three, four times. The smell of biscuits, eggs, and coffee filled their noses. As the boys made light conversation with the old waiter, their minds spiraling with thoughts of alien worlds, and their thoughts filled with images of Tally. Background music by El Scavone, reading by me, book written by me, introductory song, and ending theme by Brandon Moss. Echoes of the Holograph, it's available for purchase on Amazon. You can either get the paperback or the Kindle version, whichever makes the most sense for you. Take care, guys.